Corey, and welcome to another episode of Cultivate and Keep, where we talk about what it means to be a man as a Christian. And today we're going to cut straight to it because I have with me my good friend Drake Center. Uh, Drake is one of my good friends. We actually um, went to college together, but we weren't really friends until yeah. basically I got you a job. I didn't get you a job. I helped you get a job. <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> at the company I worked for at the time. And then eventually, I mean, this was like three, four years ago. Now yeah. it's crazy, huh? Yeah. Eventually I left. You stayed. You still worked there doing your thing. Um, but we've remained friends. And Jeremy is in Europe having the time of his life with uh, Connie, his wife. And um, they're out there exploring. I don't even know where they are right now because they were going to like five different places. But wow. I thought this would be an amazing opportunity to bring on a guest like yourself to fill in the role. So you have to make all the stupid jokes. You have to have an annoying dog that, that uh, harasses you the whole time <laughs> and fill in the role of, of being Jeremy. Does that sound good? Sounds good. I will say one of my favorite things about listening to guest speakers is how their voices <laughs> sound when they come on the podcast. Ah. So... That's something I can't wait to hear when I listen back. It's yeah. just how melodious my voice sounds. Nice. So you're one of those people that likes hearing yourself. No. Okay. But I just never hear it from the other perspective. It's true. And we got some crispy mics, right? I think you sound pretty buttery. So This is very, I, I think it should buttery. paint you in, in, a, uh, in a good light. So I'm excited about that. Well, Drake introduced this idea of like spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines to me. Um, and I thought it was super interesting and it's something that, um, I wouldn't, I mean, it's kind of a new, I guess like a new take on something that we've already known and existed before. And so Drake knows the stuff. He's a really academic guy. And so I thought he'd be the perfect person to come on and talk about this because I think it's, it could be really edifying for us, um, talk about the podcast. So I'm going to be here kind of learning as well. And all the questions I have are from kind of like, uh, everyone else's perspective, like taking this from a, a new kind of fresh pair of eyes on this fresh pair of ears as well um but maybe just kind of like give us a good starting place could you just define like i mean what is this idea of spiritual formation kind of like why does it matter and also how did you come upon it yeah so just a background about me is i ended up growing up in the church and going through a christian college and then after that God had really laid the idea of seminary on my heart. Hmm. I took my first three classes and they were all about spiritual formation. And even just growing up in the church, it's not a topic that you hear that much from, whether it's small groups or even on the pulpit Sunday morning. And it's just fascinating that, at least for me, I can go my whole Christian life living up in the church and not hear about something hmm. like I like to think I know parts of the Bible and I know, uh, I mean, all the worship songs from the nineties, <laughs> the early two thousands, those are, those are top notch, but even just this idea of spiritual formation and what it is on a practical level was pretty revolutionary for me just hearing about it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if I were to define it or dive in a little bit deeper ultimately it's the process of growing more like christ hmm. but it's also encompassing that worldview of how you grow like christ it's not out of obligation it's not out of shame it's how do i follow 
the lead that Christ has given Hmm. because ultimately that's our model. Yeah. Formation. Everyone has a soul. Hmm. Non-Christians, Christians, they all have souls, right? And we can form our souls in certain ways. We can do it in our own power. We can do it through Christ. And ultimately we want it to be through Christ, but also in a healthy manner as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we hear things all the time, you know, like, be imitators of Christ or, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or, you know, a couple of examples, like put off your old self, put on your new self, be holy for I am holy. Um, you know, things like that, that tell us to become more like God. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, we don't even really consider what that means, right? Especially if you're a new Christian and if you don't have people in your life that are guiding you, or if you're not regularly attending church and kind of like putting together the pieces of yourself, uh, you can very easily not be formed as you can have no spiritual formation. Essentially it's like, you're just still living the same life. You still have the same beliefs, but spiritual formation is like you said, the process of becoming more like Christ in a very in- intentional way, right? Not just Absolutely. accidentally, which yeah. is kind of, I don't know, maybe the experience that most people have, or maybe that we've both had before kind of like introducing this in a very intentional way, but it can be very accidental, which is kind of scary in some ways. Yeah. It, it's just interesting. You can have someone who hasn't been a Christian for very long and they'll come into the church and you'll see that just explosion of growth out of them. Mm. And then you could have someone who's grown up in the church their whole life and stayed pretty much the same. And yeah. that's all coming down to that concept of spiritual formation. How mm. is your soul growing? How is God growing you? Are you being intentional about that? And cultivating the space for God to speak to you. Hmm. It's so fascinating because as I was taking these classes, the one thing they kept reiterating was the fact that your emotional maturity and your spiritual maturity are inextricably linked, hmm. which is fascinating, right? If like you're a funk, funk, goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for some people to, express emotion myself being included in that and that with other people also is the same way as how it is with God Hmm. if I'm not used to expressing emotion around people it doesn't necessarily get any easier just by praying and talking to God right so that development of your emotional life is linked to the development of your spiritual life Hmm. and it's just so cool about spiritual theology and formation because it's a combination of the theology that we know and we can learn about God, but also the psychology behind it and Mm. why we think those things. And where does those, where do those thoughts come from? Is it from a deep rooted feeling like shame or guilt? Where's it coming from? Is it obligation? And all of that goes into play when it comes into what is showing on the outside with regards to your relationship with God hmm. and the inside too. Yeah. Yeah. And the inside. So you mentioned it's like a combination of, uh, your kind of the, the spiritual side of you and also like psychology in a lot of ways. Um, now without getting like too in the clouds and, uh, and too, you know, um, uh, I don't know, like psychiatrist on us a little bit. Could you just touch on that a little bit? Like, what does it mean like to meet, you know, but bet- where, or I guess like spiritual formation is kind of like where 
spirituality and psychology meets. But like, what is that actually useful for, for ourselves? You know, yeah. like how does that, um, what does that help us understand about ourselves and about other people? Mm-hmm. A.W. Tozer has a great, great line. And it's what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Hmm. Taking that into context and I'll use myself as an example. I grew up in a home where the best thing you could do as a kid was to behave. And it didn't matter what you did, but as long as you behaved and showed your parents that you were a good kid. Right. Well, taking those same life patterns, this is the psychology side of it into your relationship with God. Well, if I mess up, the worst thing I can do is to just fail. Hmm. The worst thing that I can do is to show God that I'm not behaving because from a young age that was instilled in me. Yeah. And so instead of being honest with God about my failures, I would try so hard to not fail. And that'd be by following every rule and regulation by being that good kid. But in the spiritual arena with God Hmm. and it's one burdening. It's hard, right? Because I'm placing this burden on myself that God never intended for me to be perfect. It's just not something that we as humans are capable of, but because I put that on myself and I placed my value in how good I was, it's really difficult to separate that upbringing with your relationship with God. Hmm. And that's your soul and your spiritual formation. It plays a part in how you're raised in your worldview. And for me, that's what it looked like. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, you think about like all the different factors that come into play with your relationship with God. And if you really think about it, I mean, you could almost be like, unknowingly kind of subconsciously setting yourself up for failure with your relationship with God without even know it just because of the way that you've been raised. And like you said, if you were raised in a, in a certain house or if you were raised believing certain things, acting certain ways, uh, being rewarded or punished for certain things, then that translates to your relationship with God and how you see God. You know, I remember, um, I can't remember who said it, you know, but, but they're essentially talking about how they had never thought about like, um, like to them, they had a good father, they had a loving father. And so when God was presented to them as this father figure of like, you know, God, the father and how he is our father and we are adopted into his family, uh, he thought like, great, that's amazing. Like I know exactly what, what that's like. And that's such a cool representation, but to someone who maybe grew up in a home with an abusive father or a neglected, neglectful father, or maybe an absent father, they're like a father. Like what, what does that mean? Yeah. Or like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Or like, I, I don't get it. Right. It just doesn't, doesn't the, the dots don't connect there. Right. Yeah. Or they might again, see their father as a very like, you know, you must be rule abiding. You must be, uh, you know, uh, obedient in a lot of ways, or maybe it's, you know, you must only act or, or behave in certain ways. Again, all, all those things come into play. Same thing with authority, right? If, if yeah. God is sovereign, if God is, um, like he gives us rules and commandments to live by, but again, if you've uh, had authority figures in your life, like teachers or parents, um, 
or any anyone else, even like you know, police for some people. Mm-hmm. And authority to you is always meant like judgment um, or making you feel guilty, or again, like you know, follow the rules. And they were just used to wanting to break the rules. Well, again, it's the same thing. You know, like they see authority and then they think rebellion, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so you have to intentionally change your mind or get the right mindset to set yourself up for success with your relationship with God, which is just like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and you have that control too, which is liberating in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. But um, how do you, I mean, at the end of the day, like how do you know if you're growing to be more like Christ. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that I kind of struggle with is like, how do you sort of assess yourself and your own psychology? Like what, what does that look like and how do you kind of see your own spiritual formation? Yeah. I think the biggest thing, and again, because your emotional health is tied directly to your spiritual health, it takes discipline, but it also isn't that hard to look at patterns in your life and say, Mm -hmm all right, at the end of the day, what am I feeling? Where have I been? Have I been worn out? Like, is that an issue? Am I putting too much on myself? Look at those patterns. And then at the end of the day, be able to say, how's that affecting my spiritual life? Hmm. If I am going from thing to thing to thing to committing to, and for whatever reason I come home, and I'm not seeing that result in the relationship with my wife or my other friends. And I, they say, hey, you know what? You're just tired. What's going on? Hmm. I guarantee you that is parlaying into your relationship with God. Hmm. So having people close to you is extremely important to be able to help diagnose. But the other thing is just being honest. Like there's no shame in talking to God saying, God, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Maybe for a season, the Bible isn't doing anything for me. I open it up and it feels like dry, dusty words on a page. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to feel and to know that maybe what worked in one season didn't work in another. Hmm. And it's not to take anything away from the Bible. It's not to take anything away from prayer, but our souls go through seasons and it's important to make note of changes that you see. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I want to get back to the idea of seasons, but one of the things I was thinking about was we did an episode a while back and I actually gave a message on it to, um, the, the Foothills Christian high school. Um, actually I think it was last February. Um, so about a year ago about like just being honest with God, because one of the kind of scary parts about your relationship with God is that like, God sees everything and knows everything. Yeah. He already like you can't hide the fact that like maybe you don't feel close or that you're struggling with something, mm. whether you're not being completely honest or you're not being forthright or that you're being hesitant, right? Yeah. God knows everything. Like the Bible tells us, um, He knows our thoughts before we even thought them, right? He sees everything. He He's omniscient, right? He knows everything that's going on. Mm. So like, why try to hide it, or at least why ignore the fact that He knows it? Yeah. You know what I mean, like. Um, but again, it's liberating knowing that I can be honest with God and that's the first step in really recognizing the gaps, the areas that you're weak in, um, the ways that you need to grow, right. The kind of the room for, for growth in your life. Um, and I think for a lot of people and myself included in the past, like 
that can be a very scary thought of like, I don't want God to know everything. Yeah. Or I don't want to face the truth of yep. like what's going on with myself or my, my relationship with God. Um, but you, you have to have a mental switch. You have to be able to recognize that this is actually a good thing. And if I can just get myself to um, acknowledge that it's good, then I can start to grow and I can start to acknowledge these things and I can start to, again, form spiritually the ways that I need to. Yeah. Um, so getting a little bit more practical, like what does spiritual formation look like day to day based on your experience? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, it really begins. Think about it like this. Let's, let's set, sta- set the stage. Sure. Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, we know that before that point, their relationship with God was as God intended it. It was perfect and God would have it no other way. Well, when Adam and Eve first sinned, that fractured that initial relationship. Hmm. The first thing they did when they sinned and God asked, hey, where are you? They said, hey, let's hide. (laughs) Why? Because that feeling from sinning caused shame and it caused guilt. And shame says, there's something wrong with me, so I have to hide myself. Yeah. Guilt says, there's something wrong with what I did, so I have to hide myself. And pulling away from God, that distances God from us hmm. in our moment of sin when we need him the most. Yeah. And understanding that at the end of the day, you are not what you do. That you are far more than the job that you do on a day-to-day basis. You are more than your role as a wife or as a husband or as a friend or as a coworker. You, at the end of the day, in God's eyes, already, and this, is, this does not change, you are fully loved and fully accepted. Fully loved for who you are hmm. and fully accepted for what you do and oftentimes in spite of what you do. Hmm. Operating your spiritual life out of those truths sometimes even that and it's not even that it's sometimes that that massive principle changes your relationship with god that god no matter on my best days when i sin when i mess up uh, if i just get so frustrated and impatient at my relationships in my life or i try and go out of my way to start a new course for myself because God, you're really just taking too long. Hmm. At the end of the day, you are fully loved and fully accepted by God. That should be the foundation out of which everything else that you do spiritually flows. Hmm. So setting that first, before you get into the disciplines, before you get into cultivating that time with God, that is the biggest thing that you can do. Hmm. Yeah, we we also did another episode a while back. I don't know if you remember. It was on um, like the crossroads of every sin, essentially, mm-hmm. where we come to this place where um, we're tempted to do something uh, or we're tempted to go on, and that's one crossroad. And then we get to another crossroad once we do the thing that we're not supposed to do, right? Once we sin or once we have a you know a thought or we indulge in that temptation, and then that other crossroad is. Do I want to turn back to where I came and pursue the truth and pursue God? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to turn away and run and hide? Um, and that's so key, right? Because, I mean, one of the things I think that we all have to face is like, 
you can't help just like you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped like you can't help yourself if you don't want to be helped too. Yeah. Like if you just want to stay in hiding you just want to cover up your sin if you just want to ignore everything like there's really no opportunity for spiritual formation and for growth so like that's the first step right it's just acknowledge that and come to a place where you're willing to come before god and to uh and to re- i mean to repent right is that kind of how you would classify it yeah i mean again in that vein of honesty if you can't be honest with god about what you've done or what you've gone through then you're only handing god a portion of your life hmm. he wants i oh mean i heard this this was from louis giglio it's so good if our life is a house, sometimes we only give God one room to renovate. Right. He says, look, I don't want to just clean up the bathroom. I want to build wings off of it. I want to knock down load-bearing walls. I want to expand you. I want to make room for myself hmm. in you. And it's challenging because it it convicts us sometimes. It's also challenging because there are just parts of our lives that we don't want to give to God. Yeah. I'd rather I feel much more in control if I have this aspect of my life, or I feel much more in control if I could control my career. Mm -hmm. God, you have everything else, but I'm holding on to this room. And that's a challenge because God wants the entire house. His blueprints, the entire house. He knows how our life should be Hmm. yet. Sometimes we either take those blueprints and want to do the work ourselves, which, you know, we're not a contractor. We'll mess up. We're not a master craftsman. But other times we'll just say, no, I think my plans are better for my life and I don't want your blueprints. Yeah. And coming back to that idea of what you think about when you think about God, like that's so important because if you can't get past, past that, sometimes negative reality of what God is, it's really challenging to move forward hmm. in that relationship if you don't feel comfortable with it. And not to say that your feelings and comfortability are everything, but it is the reality and sometimes the blocker as to why we don't want to give all of our lives yeah. and follow in step with what God has for us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I really, I really like the house analogy. Um, especially because, you know, like you said, you can either take the blueprint or you can just say, Hey, I've got my own you know, yeah. and then just ignore what God has for you essentially for his plan for growth. Um, but like I said before, one of the other things too, is that like you can't just because God gives you the blueprints says like, here's kind of where I want to take you. And here's where I want you to grow. Like we can't do it on our, on our own, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to do it with God and then you and God can go and quote unquote renovate your house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like, w- so what are the tools what does it look like, um, for you and God to get down to business and to really like grow spiritually and to like uh, get to work. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So after we have our foundation laid with our spiritual theology mm-hmm. and understanding who Our God is, who we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Found it. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Um, then if we're to keep with the house analogy, <laughs> putting the framing up okay. is done by spiritual disciplines. Hmm. And I think sometimes spiritual disciplines were too limited in what we think. We yeah. think of prayer and going to church and maybe being in a life group or something like that. 
and reading our Bible, and that's it. And those are certainly spiritual disciplines. There are disciplines in those. We either have that view of being too limited or our view of spiritual disciplines is too, I'd say, burdened, Hmm. burdening. We think of more to do, like my life's already so busy. Why do I want to do more? Yeah. But then you also say, wait a minute, we just talked about how you're already fully loved and fully accepted in Christ. What is the, like, why do I have to do anything? Hmm. But if we're to get down and dirty with it, the heart of spiritual disciplines is to create margin for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Hmm. We live at such a frenzied pace that if our relationship with God is something that we'll do later or do when we have free time, uh, it's just not going to get done. And I'm guilty of that. Yeah. But if we put forth the intention of saying, I'm going to do these spiritual disciplines, not because I earn my salvation, not because I have to do them, but because I want God to have control of my life. I want God to show me what he has for me because his plans are so much better than what I could do. Hmm. I want to create this intentional time with God and allow him to speak through these disciplines. Hmm. And people have done this in the past. The ancient fathers would pull away from civilization in extreme cases and they would just be in silence and solitude for years just to hear what God Mm. had done. And they would come back to society and people could notice that their discernment and their judgment and their character was changed and formed because they had spent so much time with God. Mm. It's not about the discipline in and of itself. It's about creating that space for God to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That is really good. Make a a good point in that kind of, so a, a discipline would be some sort of like practice, right? Or something, mm-hmm. like you said, that creates margin in your life for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. But the whole point isn't to do it because it's the right thing to do or because it's a good thing to do, but because of the result of it, because of what it does for you and for um, the work that you allow God to do in your life, right? Because, I mean, I'll be honest, there are a lot of things that, you know, I get bored of or that I get kind of burned out on where that I think like, wait, why am I doing this? Or like, why do we do this? Like mm. going to church on Sundays, you know, like I said, the, the usual suspects, uh, reading a Bible, praying, um, singing worship songs, you know what I mean? But I think it makes a good point in that sometimes you kind of lose, uh, you lose focus or you, you, you lose sight of what it's really about and what that thing is for, especially if you've grown up in a church, you know, like yeah. I've definitely been there yeah. where, uh, there's been seasons of worship, you know, where I'm like, I don't even know what I'm singing. <laughs> like, what yeah. am I singing? Or like, what are these words? And what does this mean? And it just kind of, uh, it reduces the meaning of it, right? It mm-hmm. reduces kind of the efficacy of it. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you balance doing things out of obligation rather than just doing things for like the result of it? Like, how do you really reap the benefits of those disciplines? Yeah. It starts with taking an assessment of your life, your spiritual life. Are you, do you feel like you're hearing from God? Are you tired? Are you burdened? Like Hmm. what, what do you feel when it comes to doing any disciplines that you know of, right? Just even the basics, right? If you pray, are you just feeling dry and empty? Because at the end of the day, 
that could be a good indicator that you're doing it out of that obligation. Like take the Pharisees, for example, they prided themselves on doing, doing, doing. They created laws to protect themselves from crossing the boundaries of those laws. And people, it's not for everyone, right? It's tiring. Yeah. People in Jesus' day were worn out, worn out and burdened. And that's why he said in Matthew, hey, what are you feeling? Like, are you tired? Rest? Do you need rest? Mm. Are you burdened? The message has this passage. It's so, so powerful. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This is Jesus speaking. And he goes on to say this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm-hmm. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, that is the heart of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it because we have to. We're not doing it because people tell us to. But if your spiritual life is feeling worn out, burned out on religion and what that means, are you tired? Jesus says, look, those are the people I want to talk to. Those are the people who need me most. If you're honest with God and you feel those things and your life is indicative of being worn out, burned out, tired, if you're having troubles sleeping or maybe you're sleeping too much because you just feel like you can't catch up, that's a physical indicator of what's going on under the surface spiritually and emotionally. Mm. The whole idea of spiritual disciplines is to set aside time and learn those unforced rhythms of grace. I just love that yeah. because that's so countercultural, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. we don't want, everything's forced, everything's yeah. rushed, everything's burdensome. Mm. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how life's supposed to be. That's especially not how a life with me is supposed to be. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. So you think about like um, the Pharisees, especially back then, um, you know, Jesus called them like you wicked brood of vipers. And he was always criticizing them uh, for, you know, selling in the, the church yeah. courts, um, for for judging, for all the laws and all the ways that they were really attacking him, right? They were kind of uh, putting it on themselves. They were always the ones criticizing and ridiculing Jesus. But they were the religious leaders like they were uh the uh, not the christian leaders you know but they were jewish people they yeah. were, i mean they were the people people looked up to uh about god about mm-hmm. the hebrew god you know yeshua yeah yet those are the people where jesus was like no you got it all wrong like mm-hmm. you have it completely backwards everyone unlearn everything that you've learned from them <laughs> and learn now what i'm going to teach you yeah. which is like you said it Hey, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Did I get that right? Is it, or is it backwards? My burden? Is, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and to relearn what it means, you know, to have those spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Again, not in like the, because uh, they had all sorts of rituals and rules. Right. And right. again, that's the whole thing about like the law. But what is that for? Right. What is the real purpose behind it? What is the, the heart of the law, if you will? Um, and like I said, if you get down to it, I mean, I think a really good like test and I'm even thinking of myself right now, like if after doing one of these disciplines, praying, reading, worshiping, whatever it is, do you feel more refreshed and 
closer to God mm. or do you feel more tired and further from God? Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. It can be like a really binary, you know, and that can mm-hmm. be a good indicator of like where you're at. Yeah. But then it's, again, it's, it comes back to like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Well, you can either say, oh, well, or it's not for me or I don't want to do anything about it. And then you can just turn the other way and go and hide and, and run and cover yourself. Yeah. Or you can say, hey, God, like this sucks. I really don't like this. Like, mm-hmm. what can I do about this? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that is one of the things that I struggle with in my life is like, I don't want to just keep adding more to my life. Like, so h- how should we think about these spiritual disciplines and like, what is edifying to our life? And um, I guess like doing it in a, in, in a way with the right heart and not just out of obligation. Like, do you just cut everything out for a while? Like, do you, how do you kind of hit that reset button on the things that you really should do and are edifying to your life? Mm. I'm a big believer that we have a lot of clutter in our lives. And the best way to get perspective is to simplify some of that. Mm. Now, like you're saying, not everything has to go in in 21st century. It's certainly not realistic to say that the only thing I'm going to do is escape to a mountaintop for <laughs> six months and be with God, <laughs> right? Bills to pay. I mean, yeah, geez, everyone, you know that. <laughs> um, but when it comes to spiritual disciplines, like you're saying, do you feel more refreshed after them? Then continue to do that. And like, we also have to remember God's presence is intoxicating. The more you spend in it, the more you want to spend in it. Hmm. It's getting over that initial hurdle to say, I recognize that my life is not the way God intended it. Hmm. So I have to take the first step of saying, God, I, I want this to change. And it may be dramatic. It may be cutting out certain things, maybe cutting out hobbies after work and or something. It could also be something as simple as I'm just going to try and spend 20 minutes with God a day or once a day or every other day, whatever that looks like. Yeah. So that's where the, I'd say discipline side (laughs) of spiritual disciplines comes in. It's at what point are you willing to say enough's enough? And God, I am committing to spending time with you Mm. through this discipline. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I've, I've been reading, uh, the book, the one thing recently. Have you read it before? I haven't. Okay. Enlighten me. Yeah, it's, it's been on my list for a while and then uh, finally got on the on the socket to start reading. But one of the chapters is about kind of this, um, he calls like the deception of quote unquote the disciplined life mm. of like people who want more in their life, want to do better, um, want to feel better about what they're doing. They just think that they need more discipline in their life. So they just keep tacking on more and more things. Like, um, you know, like physically it's like, I'm going to go to the gym more often and I'm going to do more. I'm going to, I'm going to lift more. I'm going to do a very much more structured gym routine. And like emotionally, it could be like, I'm going to spend more time with my friends or with my wife, or I'm going to have a date night or I'm going to set aside a time a week to call my parents or something spiritually. It could be, you know, I'm going to pray more every day. I'm going to go to church yeah. more often every week, but tacking on more doesn't lead to better. He says, uh, we don't need any more discipline than we already have. We just need to direct and manage it better. So like just doing more stuff doesn't necessarily equal like a better life or a more, uh, you know, essentially more spiritual formation in some senses. Yeah. I thought that was super interesting because like, 
I think for a lot of us, maybe the default is like, well, I'm just going to do more or like yeah. I'm reading the Bible and it's not working. So I'm just going to sit <laughs> here until it makes sense. And uh-huh. it's like, sometimes you just need to hit the reset button mm-hmm. or you just need to figure out what works for you or figure out, um, you know, what kind of mix works well for you. So, I mean, how do you know which spiritual discipline or di- spiritual disciplines are, are right for you and like the things that you should do? Um, where do you start? Like, can you just pick and choose or like, what does that process look like? Yeah. I'd say the biggest help, biggest resource that I've found when it comes to spiritual disciplines is called, and let me pull it up real quick. The spiritual disciplines handbook. Whoa. What? I know. Mind blowing. Handy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting. I, because it's a book about spiritual disciplines. You're like, oh, wait, this is weird. It's almost a textbook format. Yeah. But it breaks down spiritual disciplines past those kind of uh, boilerplate ones we've talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because with as many disciplines there are, there's also a lot of different people in the world. Hmm. I'm not an incredibly emotional person at church or otherwise, and so something like worship isn't super high on my list of I feel really connected God when I do this, hmm. or God speaks to me a lot through worship. It's not always the case. Yeah. But some of the more monastic disciplines like withdrawing, um, solitude, silence, that kind of stuff, I get a lot out of that, hmm. partially because it's wired with my personality, but also setting aside that extraordinary time that I wouldn't normally to hear from God is really rewarding. Hmm. And so part of it is personality driven, but that also doesn't mean that God can't speak through things that are against your personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, I mean, uh, if you want to pull it up real quick, I mean, I'd love to go yeah. through like a couple of them because when you showed this to me, it was really interesting because I was, I mean, again, I, we all kind of grow up in a very, um, uh, I guess like a, a biased view like Mm. where I was born, the family I grew up with the church that I started going to becomes normal to you. Yeah. And so you don't think about like how other people do it or how it's different or what other options are even out there. Mm. You know, so like you said, maybe worship isn't like the first thing you'd go to or the thing that makes you feel the most connected to God. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that maybe there's something else out there that can help you connect with God better. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even when we talked about it, I don't know if it was like a couple months ago or something. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. You know, like why should we all respond to these kind of spiritual disciplines in the same way? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I like worship. I like singing, but also like, uh, I kind of get tired of it after a while. Like <laughs> I really like having like, I'm the kind of guy who's like, uh, you know, like three songs, or like, you know, once it comes up to the time yeah. and then I'm like looking at my watch, I'm like, that was good. Like I, I've had enough, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to really want to go on for hours yeah. because then it just like, I kind of lose interest or mm-hmm. just, you know, not to say that like on special, special occasions, yeah. you know, where the Lord comes down and, and meets or there's something going on or, yeah. you know, where it happen, doesn't happen more, but, um, there are other things that I enjoy and that's going to be different for everyone. And it's not to say that it's right or wrong. Again, mm-hmm. it's what's right or wrong for you. Um, and not, not to be overly relativistic, that's not what this right. is, right? Like, God is absolute. Yeah. He is the same to every person, but how he reveals himself to each person is different yeah. based on personalities. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
but we have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. And that's why having so many different spiritual disciplines, you're still dealing with the same God. A lot of times you're still going to be, I can learn the same thing through worship that you could through solitude, for example. Yeah. Right? We're still speaking to the same God, but how he reveals things to us could be super different. Mm-hmm. And that's personality-based. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it's uh, as I finished that sentence, I like paused for a second. So I was like, oh, that doesn't quite sound right. It's not relativistic, <laughs> like you said. Um, but uh, like you said, I mean, it, it is really interesting. Like, essentially, um, there's a lot of different ways to meet with God, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. one of the things I, um, the reason why I'm kind of hammering on this a little bit is just because uh, I, I don't think that we should just take everything that's been presented to us at like face value as like, um, the absolute truth of like, here's how things are done. Here's how you should do things. You know, like mm. as, a, as with a lot of other advice that's given to us, like it's very, um, it needs to be tailored. You know, mm. like if someone, if you're like, Hey, you know, what should I do? And someone's like, Oh, you should go read this book. Like, how do you know that? Or like, why? Or how do you know that that's going to work for them? Or, you know, Hey, we go and and worship every week. Yeah, at church, you know, corporately. Yeah. Or, hey, you should read your Bible every day. Like, these are like, they're too prescriptive. Like, how do you know? Or how do you know that's right for that person? Yeah. Um, and so we have to be able to, you know, kind of take it into our own hands and say, again, what's what's right for me and that this is the best way that connects me with God? Not in like, you know, what feels best for me. But anyways, what are like the major categories? Maybe we can just kind of pick one and kind of go through a lot of the different options that are out there for people. Yeah. So the way the book categorizes them is they have worship as a major category monastic as a major category which Mm. is think of monk when you think monastic right you're kind of secluded you're doing your own thing it's a very personal um, discipline related relationship with god Mm -hmm. the next one is more relational and communal so these are things that you can't do these disciplines without other people it's hard to love one another if there's no another around the next one is hearing God's word, so more of the Bible reading side of things, and then prayer. Hmm. And one of the neat things about prayer is, man, everyone throughout all of time has prayed to God uniquely hmm. because each person's unique. Yeah. Well, those people have written down prayers, and they've been passed down from ages and ages and it's just fascinating to read some of these prayers that other people have written more famous prayers and goodness they have such a a truth but also a grit and age to them you can f- almost feel hmm. the age they came from um, some of the early church fathers and the creeds and the prayers they would write are so different than what we would do now. Not yeah. that it's bad, it's just different because it's a different world, mm-hmm. but they're still speaking to the same God. Yeah. Same thing with the Psalms. Like, what if you were to take Psalm 23 and pray that? Not read it, pray that. Mm. Sometimes there's a difference in praying scripture than there is reading it. Mm. And that's just an interesting caveat when I was reading the prayer one. But Yeah, that is really interesting. Which one did you want to dive more into? Yeah, let's start with worship. Like what are, I mean, when I think of worship, again, from like my experience living in San Diego, living in the U.S., speaking English, having like very contemporary kind of style. Now, like that's what I think of worship. I think of like upbeat, basically like rock songs. You know, like 
how else, like what are there some other forms of worship? Yeah. So in this book, it can be something as simple as celebration. Hmm. Sometimes we make disciplines out to be a little bit more complicated than they need to be, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like overarching theme of worship, it's the intention of worship is to celebrate God for who he is and what he's done. Hmm. And so what has he done in my life? What is he doing now? And what can I celebrate? It d- disciplines don't always have to be so, um, I hate to say boring, but sometimes that's the... Uh, like somber almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. somber, secluded. Like, mm-hmm. no, let's let's be excited. Yeah. Let's celebrate God for what he's done. And that's one aspect of the worship. Mm-hmm. The next one is along the same lines, but giving gratitude to God. Like, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for carrying me through this difficult season. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do that. I yeah. wouldn't have made it through on my own. Just that's, acknowledging it. Yeah, that's another one. Communion's a big part of worship because hmm. we're thanking God for what he did through Jesus on the cross, and we're using those icons of the juice or the wine and the bread to symbolize what Christ had done. That's mm-hmm. a huge part of worship. Yeah. And that's done in most of the churches I go to. But it's different when you think about it as worship as opposed to sometimes praying. Or you pray over right. those elements. Or even just as a ritual. Like mm-hmm. we do it because the Bible tells us to, but like, no, this is a form of worship. Like this helps you connect with God and to be in his presence and yeah. And and to grow mm-hmm. spiritually. Yeah. The next one's super interesting. It's called a rule of life. And for all of you uh recovering rule followers like myself, <laughs> um, I can exchange that word rule for more of a template or format. Okay, so think of it like a format template for life. The best thing we can do with our physical bodies is to obey their limits. Sometimes we work too hard and too long, and then we have nothing to give to God or other people at the end of the day. Hmm. Stewarding our bodies, because they're the only bodies we get, right? How can we best obey those limits? And by creating this template and rule for life, I'm going to do this on my days off or I'm going to protect that Sabbath day and not do anything oh. like that's a, it's not just a day to catch up on errands. It's right. not just a day to do the unpaid work of life. Like, no, this is time off to spend with people and with God. Mm-hmm. Like the reason Pharisees were so strict about Sabbath is because they knew how important it was and worshiping God with our bodies and obeying their limits is what that rule of life format for life entails. Interesting. Yeah. We just covered uh, the Sabbath on like um, on our previous episode because we're going to do like the mini series on, uh, yeah, that's right. On the commandments. Um, and every time, yeah, every time we, we cover one, we're always surprised by like how much depth is actually there mm. about like, Oh, it's so interesting. Like, why is that a commandment? You know, and, like why did God, um, create, I mean, think about like the 10 commandments and one of them is to rest once a week. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, wow, no, it does make sense. I mean, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. what does that do for us? How does that change the way that we think? Like it's also setting aside a day for God and yeah. like just creating again, that space and that margin for him that he deserves. Yeah. And it's not even so much the, all right, I'm going to do nothing as much as it is realizing that the world still runs without you doing your thing. Like, yeah. guess what? God is in control. And even when I sleep, which however limited that may be, 
God is still in control. So that day that I rest is still going to make sure God's going to make sure the world still runs. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's a huge part of recognizing Sabbath and that rule for life. Hmm. That's cool. And Sabbath was one of those under worship. So we covered both two for one right there. (laughs) And then the last one is more of your conventional worship, Mm. singing two songs, singing songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, it's so cool when you unpack these categories a little bit more because it expands how you can approach a starting point with God. Hmm. If you've never grown up in the church and you're a new Christian and you say, man, I don't even know how to relate to God. Hmm. This spiritual disciplines handbook is so cool because you can pick any of these, spend some time and come away with sometimes a renewed perspective of who God is. And it's not exactly the ones that were taught as much Yeah, if we were to grow up in the church. Or that are made so available. Yeah, yep. Like, we both grew up in the church, and so it was a little bit normal to, like, sing songs and, uh, like, to literally, like, it felt like a normal thing. But I can imagine, like, not, like, not having that experience and then, like, never, or, yeah, never experiencing that. And then walking to a church one day and like people are singing songs with their eyes closed and they're yeah. like, I'm like, what is going yeah. on? What is this for? <laughs> and then imagine like getting saved and then like doing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like, would you know what to do? Or would you know, yeah. you know what it means or um, what, you know, how this is supposed to, to edify you? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that we're, we're definitely um, subject to fall into that of like, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to, I guess, yeah. or because it's normal. Yeah. Like, no, you do this because it's a form of worship. Mm-hmm. And here's how it's a form of worship is through song and through um, corporate together. And, you know, the words have meaning and we are praising God in some way. But, you know, you have to recognize that, right? You have to know, again, what's the outcome I'm looking for out of this? Yeah. And as with any discipline, it's not about the discipline in of itself or even I'm going to do this discipline so I can grow. Hmm. It's not a means to the end. It is the end itself because you're spending time with God. However he chooses to use that is up to him. And I'll be honest, there are some times where I read my Bible and I pray and I, I don't do it out of obligation, but I do it because I want to spend time with God and he just doesn't speak Mm. through it like he does other times. Yeah. It's not God's prerogative to teach us something every time we're with him, though he does that more often than not. Yeah. He's not obligated to give us anything just because we do one of these disciplines, right? It's not an exchange. It's not transactional. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, I may have something for you today. I also may not. It's not to detract from my goodness and not to detract from you spending that time with God. But it's also interesting sometimes when you can do a discipline and you don't feel like you got as much out of it. Do you stop mm-hmm. doing it? Absolutely not. Because right. it's a relationship. Yeah. It's not about your religious duty. Yeah. Just because you don't have fun with a friend one night or just because you got in a fight or just because you haven't talked to someone in a while doesn't mean that you're not still friends, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that your, your relationship there is gone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I said, what you do, you just, just cause you didn't have that much fun one time you stop hanging out. It's like, <laughs> no, you're, you're friend. This is a relationship. And yeah. It, like I said, it's not so transactional. You can't think of it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'll, Sometimes when I don't hear anything from God, it has more to do with me than it does with him. Yeah. It's because I'm thinking about other things as I'm doing the discipline. And mm. like if I'm doing a discipline of solitude, silence or something like that, well, my mind is 
busy and loud. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, it has more to do with me than it is with God. Hmm. Yeah, so let's get into this monastic. Am I saying that right? Yeah, monastic. <laughs> these are, like I said, these are a little bit easier for me personally hmm. just because I enjoy pulling away from the normal, setting aside extraordinary time to hear from God. And one of the categories under this is opening yourself up to God. How much of our spiritual lives would change if we truly opened up ourselves to God? Like we said, he doesn't want to just rebuild part of the house. He wants the entire floor plan. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So there was, I know that there was like, Silence, solitude, right? Could you just list them really quick? Yeah. So there's contemplation, hmm. which taking a passage of scripture or even just deeply thinking about where God has taken you and where your life is at now, offering that to God, your thoughts, your feelings, everything that comes along with it, and seeing what comes of that. Mm -hmm. There is, this one's super interesting. It's called iconography. Hmm. So it's taking an icon, ascribing a value to it, putting it in a place where you can see it and then thinking of that value when you see it. Hmm. For example, I could take, uh, the Pharisees did this all the time and you know, they get bashed a lot, but they actually, <laughs> they did some things, they right. did a lot of things, <laughs> right? Yeah. We just hear about some of the challenges they had, but they would have these tassels on their arms and it would remind them of things that they learned. Well, oh. what if we took a tassel and hung it on our computer or hung it on our wall? And every time we look at it, we say, God, this is to remind me that I need you. Hmm. And we can do that with anything. That's the cool thing. Sometimes pastors do this with their uh, teaching ob objects. Oh, right. 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 They'll hand something out to the crowd. and Hey, this bottle, God collects your tears in this bottle because he cares about you. What if we had a little bottle on our desk? to remind us of that hmm. and keeping that teaching that that uh principle or whatever it is with us the whole week yeah super interesting i never thought about that it's neat it's really cool um another one is journaling yeah. i wasn't a big journaler but i found out that even though i don't look back on my journals as much writing things down how i'm feeling what i'm going through is cathartic in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, it's it, the act of writing that helps you not looking back on the writing. Yeah, and that's part of opening yourself up to God. If you mm -hmm. can't be honest, writing it down on a piece of paper, it's gonna be really hard to pray that out loud yeah. to God, yeah. right? The next one is rest. And this is in the same line as Sabbath, but it's also, again, respecting your boundaries. I am so guilty of not resting because I'll feel unproductive if I don't. Yeah. Right? Okay, well, let's let's examine where that came from. Why do I feel unproductive? It's because I feel like my productivity is linked to my value. Mm. Well, what does God say about that? My value is not found in what I do. Remember, it has to do with being fully loved and fully accepted by God, yeah. which does not change based on my value, or which does not change based on what I do. Yeah, yeah. That's super, yeah. I mean, that's one that, I think probably most guys struggle with because we're very mm. productive creatures and that, you know, we're just made that way. Yeah. And I find all the time, like, um, I think probably more because my personality a little bit too, but like if I didn't 
feel like I did a lot, then like I can't sleep. Hmm. And then that's like a vicious cycle of like, I'm not rested, so therefore I'm not as productive, so that therefore I'm less rested and yeah. less happy and yeah. less connected with God. Um, but that can definitely be part, and again, I mean, I think part of it too is like, rest puts you in the right state of mind and it makes you feel open and ready. Like, who wants to sing songs or to read your Bible when you're half asleep? Right. Like, right. it's kind of like one of those things that's like a prerequisite. Like, you just Absolutely. have to have it too sometimes. Yeah. 100%. And it's taking care of your physical body. That way, the rest of you is able to hear from God. Yeah. 100%. The next one's re- retreat. Hmm. So, I love this definition they have is retreat is setting aside extraordinary time to hear from God. Hmm. The action is still the same. We're still hearing from God, whether we do a discipline or not. But the idea of a retreat is aside from your normal nine to five schedule or whatever your normal day looks like, let's carve out an entirely different day structured totally differently. That's extraordinary from what you normally do to hear from God. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. setting aside distractions and anything else that can take away from that. So that way it makes that day different. Hmm. Yeah. One of the things I feel like goes like unnoticed a lot of times is how many times on the way that Jesus went away and that he retreated, you know, he would go up to the mountainside or he would get like, it says there was a bunch of times where it was like, he snuck away <laughs> like <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> but then it's like, what did he do? Like he went, and he went in solitude and he got away and he set aside that extraordinary time to talk with God. And that's when he, you know, would really cry out to God and he would really yeah. open himself up and he would ask the hard questions and he would, um, you know, he would prepare himself for the next day too. Like, I mean, he would kind of spiritually recharge in a lot of ways mm-hmm. as well. Cause he needed that extra time because he felt maybe so drained from all the work that he had done during the day. Yeah. Yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man, which means he also had those same limits that we do. So who are we to think that being 100% man only, Mm -hmm. that we don't need to set aside that same time? Yeah. And this next one is super, super interesting. It's called slowing. (laughs) And aside from slowing down your life, they give some examples of because we move so fast with our phones, with work, with schedules and driving people here and there and all that stuff. What if, and this is just, this made me laugh thinking about it. Cause I'm like, no, I would never, why would I ever do this? <laughs> what if we were to drive slower than what we normally drive? <laughs> like, no. Okay. I don't know about that. That's revolutionary That's right little, there uh, over the top. But I find myself on my days off driving as fast as I do on my days on. Mm. I don't have anywhere to get to on my days off, right? but I'm trying to get there as fast as I can. Mm. What would it look like? And for me, maybe I just drive 10 miles an hour slower. 80 instead of 90. Goodness. Right? I mean, yeah, I got to <laughs> keep it a little bit up there, but what if I were to slow down how I drive? Well, maybe how fast we drive is an indicator of how fast our mind is going. Totally. So let's slow that down. And then maybe just maybe by slowing it at down, we can hear what God has to say. Mm-hmm. What if we chew our food slower? Goodness. I, Jeez. I mean, I go into a meal, I'm starving and it's interesting 
because whether I'm starving or whether I'm not, I'll still eat the same pace. Hmm. What if I were to slow that down one day? What if I were to slow it down on my Sabbath, right? A day that's already supposed to be a little bit slower, let's slow that down further. And maybe in those liminal spaces, God speaks to us because we're carving out more time than we would normally. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the real heart of it is like, by default, we can just be rushed or um, distracted. You know, we can just feel kind of like we're always trying to get to the next, kind of like a race, you know? It's like slowing down is the act of being more intentional Mm. and like re like being more mindful of what you're doing and how you're doing it. So yeah, I mean, you're driving somewhere, but like, why are you driving there? Like, what are you thinking about? Right. Yeah. You're waking up or you're doing the dishes, but like, why are you doing it? And like, can you enjoy this process or can you, you know, I mean, leave more room for God. And so Mm -hmm. I really like, I mean, I'm super guilty of it and, the fun part about that one is I feel like it's super practical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like absolutely. Just, whatever you're doing, do it slower. Do it slower. And then that's an act. That's a spiritual discipline. Yep. Super cool. cool it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, but yeah. again, the heart of all your spiritual disciplines is to create margin to hear from God. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. we can do that responsibly and in a sustainable manner. I'd argue that that could be a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But I probably don't have time to go through all of them. Do you just want to kind of like rack through like a couple of the different categories and, and uh, uh, sorry, a couple uh, like the ones in each one of the categories, just because it's so cool to hear like all the different ways that this kind of plays out. Yeah, for sure. In that same vein of monastic disciplines, we're opening ourselves up to God, which we just talked about, but we also want to make sure that our sin nature is kept in check. Hmm. It can never be eliminated, right? Yeah. It's a part of us till the day we die, but we can do things to make sure that our pride doesn't get out of hand, that our anger and our our just impatience don't grow. Part of that can be confession to God. Hmm. The other one they have here is detachment. Am I detaching from my pride enough to be able to see what I'm doing is having XYZ effect? Hmm. Um, silence. This is crazy, but what if I was silent for six hours, a conversation with myself, and, you know, do it on a day when you're not around anyone. That way you're not rude. But <laughs> take you're like, sorry, yeah. I'm practicing a I'm spiritual practicing discipline silence. Right now. <laughs> you're not shunned. I'm just doing a spiritual discipline. That's so funny. But what if I were to be silent and just all my self-talk that happens to silent that? Hmm. Like, that's big, too. Hey, you're yeah. not good enough. You're not doing this. You should be doing X, Y, Z. What if I would just be silent? Hmm. Yeah. Just like that passage in Kings, right? With Elijah, God heard him in the still small voice after everything else that happened. Hmm. So let's be silent internally too. Yeah. You know, what's funny is um, I've been really like crave. I don't know if craving is the right word. I've been really wanting to uh, do like one of those float tanks. Oh yeah. Like where they just like, intense. like the isolation tanks where it's just like dark and you're floating in the water. It's just that they put a bunch of salt or whatever. Yeah. In it. Those are trippy. And I think it's a spiritual thing because, um, I, because I want to do it and I feel like it'd be refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, physically, emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. But again, who would have categorized that as like a spiritual discipline? Right. Right. But like, yeah, there, there really is part of that. That's really edifying. Yeah. I'm going to go do that. You can absolutely do that. You can absolutely use that time to be a part of spiritual discipline, right? You're Mm -hmm. detaching your senses. You're detaching 
your thoughts. It's really hard to think when you're not really feeling anything because you've never felt that before. So yeah. it's kind of this cycle. Yeah. And you're just there. Hmm. You say, God, I'm not doing anything right now. I want to open all of myself to you. I'm not priding myself on my productivity. I'm just being. Yeah. We're human beings at the end of the day, not mm-hmm. human doings. <laughs> human doers. And so that kind of sums up that false self side of things. Mm. The next ones are more relational, communal. Okay. I had said this yeah. before we started, but it's really hard to love one another if there's no another beside you. Right. So these are meant to be done in community with other people. Part of that is having an accountability partner. Mm. Part of it's being a part of a community on a consistent basis. Yeah. Discipling, face-to-face connection, hospitality, mentoring. Mm. Those are all huge spiritual disciplines, and I think we overlook them because they're not spoken about on a Sunday morning yeah. as in the same breath as praying and reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. But service and being in a small group and just witnessing in general your life, what God has done in you through these disciplines to people, that's a huge part of spiritual disciplines when it comes to sharing your life with others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, again, overlooked. I mean, I feel like uh, that's probably all be bucketed also under like fellowship is a good way, but yep. like, yeah, it's important stuff. You know what I mean? Like just cause you're uh, out with lunch with someone doesn't mean that there isn't like something spiritual going on. Yeah. You know, like it can be really edifying for both of you or for all of you together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we have here. So the love of Christ, it's how do we portray that love of Christ to other people, other things? The, this is so cool. I, I had to do this one for an assignment, so it was obligated, but it was also really neat. <laughs> was okay. the whole idea of caring for the earth. I got a little plant, and I took care of it. And every morning I woke up, and I watered that plant, and I pruned it. And it was in the quiet of the morning. The sun wasn't fully up yet for that time of year. And it was just me and that little plant. <laughs> and we were best of buds. But using my... God-given stewardship to take care of the earth and that little plant. That was a spiritual discipline Mm. because even all the way back in Genesis, God said, you're supposed to, like you're saying, cultivate and keep this garden. That's your job. Yeah. And stewarding the little plant was a huge act of spiritual discipline. Mm. And it's just, for plant people, there you go. There's your validation. You so know? are you saying that if your plant dies that you're sinning? I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but I will say that I'm sure God can speak through your hands through someone else in the relational side of things Ooh, to help you go. care for the earth better. Nice. There it is. So there you go. The other one is compassion and forgiveness, humility, blessing others, right? If we're good with our words that has so much of an impact Mm. people hear three negative sayings a day compared to the one positive yeah i that's that should never be the case especially in a christian setting but god has given us in our tongues power to be able to be an encouragement and to right that ship so stewarding what we say in our relationships with others well shows that love of Christ. Encouragement's a huge spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
And is that the, or I think prayer was the last one, right? Yeah. And prayer was the last one. Like I said, there are so many resources for prayer and reading these out wouldn't really make any sense, but we can look even online, even Google just ancient prayers that the church fathers had spoken and reading those. It's just a different perspective. It's like having someone tell you, Hey, this worked for me in the past. I recommend praying something like this. Mm. Like what we had talked about earlier in the, the podcast here about at the end of the day, I am not what I do. I am fully loved and fully accepted. Well, that's part of a prayer, prayer of intentions. Mm. And that's something that you can pray before you get up in the morning. Yeah. Like it's, the cool thing about prayer is because there are so many people, a lot of people have prayed. We can also pray scripture. We can pray the Psalms. It's a pretty wide range of things, but it's also highly individual. Yeah, definitely. One of the, um, one of my favorite books wasn't really like a book. It was like a devotional sort of in high school was, um, I think, oh, gosh, I hope I'm not getting it wrong, but it's called the imitations of Christ or just imitations of Christ. I want to say it was by Thomas, E Kempis, I want to say, gosh, I should have looked it up before, but, um, it's essentially like a devotional, Okay, but it's written as if like him and God are talking. So mm. like he'll write something and then he'll like write a response from God back to himself. And it's so cool That's because good. it's very much like a prayer, mm. you know, it's so like you would read it. You could even pray it out loud to God. And then you can also like read God's response to use. So like you can kind of like. Um, it, it's sort of like, I mean, kind of builds like that habit of like not praying just to like, just speak things out into the air, but like to have a conversation with God, um, and to have it be like a two way conversation, you know, relationship with God instead of just a one way, you know, I'm just saying words and I hope that God's hearing them, yeah. but like you're, ex you know, you expect a response, even if it's not a verbal response, mm -hmm. you know, how God is thinking and responding to what you're saying. And it's so, so interesting because if you take a look at your prayers, my prayers, anyone's prayers, if we were given the challenge to pray to God for one hour, <laughs> you would spend the first 10 to 15 minutes praying about everything in your life, praying about the world, solving world hunger, everything. <laughs> and you look up and it's only 15 minutes later and you're like, oh my gosh, what else do I talk about? And it's in those moments that you realize, man, sometimes my prayers are so self-centered and not in a selfish or sinful way, but that's sometimes the only thing we think about. Mm. And if we were to spend more time with God in prayer, it does become like that two-way conversation. Interesting. It does yeah. become like something God will stir up in your heart maybe in minute 20. And you'll pray that about that. God, I... I am feeling overwhelmed or like what's why am I tense in my shoulders? Oh, it's cause I'm stressed about this thing in my life. Hmm. You can pray about that, touch on it. And then if there's nothing else, you can sit in silence and listen to God and then he'll bring something else up. It's just, it's fascinating. Sometimes hmm. our prayers are too short and right. too, uh, narrow. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just say what you're going to say and then like, okay, that's it. Bye. And then you're like, like God's like, oh, oh, all right. 
Nice. Okay. Like, so we'll talk this to you is tomorrow. a good monologue, but uh, at some point it needs to be a conversation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's really, really good. So now one thing I've been thinking more about and want to circle back on before was kind of this idea of seasons because, um, well, I just been thinking more and more recently. Like I feel like back in the day seasons and like this idea of seasons in life was like a much more like, it was like part of our lives because like the weather kind of dictated a lot of things. So it was like, yeah. can we go hunt this day or like, can we even be outside or is it hot? Is it cold? How does it make me feel? Like, how does it affect my emotions? Um, but now since most of us live in temperature controlled houses <laughs> and we drive in temperature controlled, uh, cars, yeah. especially in San Diego where there's really just one season ish, right. which right. is just nice weather, which we're very blessed. It's either nice for. weather or colder, nice weather. Yes, exactly. That's usually how it goes. It's, it's either like sixties or eighties, but it's still nice. Yeah. Um, but see the season now, I mean, there is seasonality and mm-hmm. there is, uh, seasons to things, you know, like it's still a thing in the Bible uh, in Ecclesiastes. It says that yeah. for everything, there is a season. Mm-hmm. So are there different seasons to spiritual formation or like, how does this kind of fit into the conversation of your spiritual growth and, and formation? Yeah. I think this is something that I learned the hard way and was one of the most challenging lessons for me. Growing up, I would expect that my relationship with God grew, but it grew at the same pace. Mm. It grew continuously. Right. And it grew just because life progressed. Well, ultimately, like everything, and like Ecclesiastes says, there's a season for everything. Yeah. There are seasons of growth. There are seasons where you're going to feel like you're not as close with God. Ultimately, life is never, I wouldn't say linear. Like, definitely, I'm going to change. Yeah. You're going to change. Our spiritual growth is also going to change. And so expecting our disciplines we just talked about to yield the same results time after time after time, Mm. like it's not, we don't live in a perfect world. Yeah. There's so many factors that are going to go into that. Mm. And so when things are going really, really well, those are times of consolation. Like you're feeling consoled by God because God is revealing to you things about himself. Mm. When you are worshiping and you're raising your hands and you feel God's presence, you feel that peace come down. He's showing you that peace. He's showing you that excitement. Yeah. He's showing you all those good things about himself. And because God is good, it quote unquote feels good in your soul. And you're going to see the growth and the result of that. The valleys, the ancient church fathers talked about this, the dark night of the soul. Hmm. It's like, I turned off all the lights and I don't know where I'm going and I feel lost. And it's not as a result of not doing my disciplines or it's not a result of um, blatant sin, like a sin habit, right? Right. It's just being human, like Hmm. things change. Those are times of desolation. It feels like a barren wilderness. And... Those are times that God isn't so much revealing to you things about himself as much as he's revealing to things about yourself. Yeah. And understanding that you're going to have those peaks of consolation where God shows you so much about himself and the lows and the valleys of desolation and saying, God, I don't see you in this, but all I feel is stress and anxiety. Hmm. It's understanding that 
okay, maybe God isn't wanting to have me feel good or in this spiritual camp high all the time because really my character grows in perseverance. It grows in tragedy sometimes. It grows in challenges. And if God were to keep us in his presence all the time in this life, we wouldn't grow. We just want to stay where we are. It's like someone who doesn't get kicked out of the basement as an adult. Like your parents are still right. having you there and living, you get to live there for free. That person's never going to learn anything. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with us and God. Yeah. At what point, at some point, we have to learn. It's not even the hard way. It's just not the fun way. Mm. And desolation is when God reveals more to you about yourself than he does about himself. And it's not so much what you're doing wrong or why am I not hearing God as much as I was, but just understanding, okay, God, I'm in this season of dryness. What are you doing here? Hmm. And that should be the foundation of your conversations. Yeah. I mean, like I said, life is not linear. It's not just like the same always, all the time. And so with each different season of experience, right, of like what you're feeling and going through, there's a different purpose for it, right? Um, And then maybe there's a different, uh, application of spiritual dip disciplines or different things that you focus on or um, maybe you need more time you know in the monastic category of like silence sol- solitude mm-hmm. getting away you know meditating yeah and then maybe in the other seasons you need more seasons of uh, or you need more spiritual disciplines around like fellowship mm-hmm. and around community and um, and mentorship yeah and then in, in other seasons it's just things are going really well and maybe it's just the spiritual disciplines you really need to lean in on our worship in our, our praise and gratitude. Yeah. Um, but to think of everything as like, so like, okay, well these are the things that I like to do. And like, this is what I'm gonna do forever. I'm like, dude, no, like things change, yeah. you know, like don't be, uh, don't be dumb. <laughs> this is not <laughs> how life works. Um, but like I said before, I think really the key is like recognizing which season you're in, mm-hmm. what to do about it. And then which disciplines will kind of help you uh, through that season, right? Yeah. Or to get what God wants you to have out of that season. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting too. If you read the Old Testament, a lot of the times of good are oriented around the harvest, oriented around yeah. water and waterfalls and oases. Like oases, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Oasis is. I'm pretty sure it's oases. Um, but the times of plenty are associated with being happy and being with God and feeling that joy. And even David, he's like, God, you're walking me through this valley of the shadow of death. I guarantee you that wasn't a lush green jungle. Right. Like that is dry. There are rocks. It is a desert. Jesus went out to the desert to hear from God, right? He went into solitude. John Mm -hmm. the Baptist lived in the desert to hear from God. Those aren't times where you're going to be surrounded by the best things and you're going to be pampered. Yeah. Those are times where it's hard, it's challenging, there's tribulations and those trials and God is showing you more about yourself. But when they come out of those seasons, Jesus, John the Baptist, David when he was running from Saul, mm-hmm. they all have a character that's formed and a soul that's formed for what God has for them next. Yeah. They would not have become those people had they not gone through that period of desolation in the desert. Interesting. Yeah. It's so cool. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really think about like Jesus in the desert, John, like I said, David. Um, 
David especially is super interesting to me because, you know, like he was appointed king, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, amazing. And then it's like, nope, this dude's trying to kill you. Like, go run. <laughs> and like, what a crazy thing to go through yeah. and have to run and hide for your life mm-hmm. and to be pursued yeah. by a guy who, you know, you thought was cool. <laughs> and then he's like, nope, I want to kill you because I don't want you to become king because mm-hmm. I'm doing a bad job. Um, but like, there was a that, that was a season that David had to go through, but also there was some spiritual formation that God had purposed for him through that season because he knew that he needed it as well. And maybe David wouldn't be wouldn't have been the the king that he was, even though he had his faults. Yeah. Um. Maybe he wouldn't have, uh, yeah, become the, the person that God wanted him to become if he hadn't gone through that season of desolation, of hardship, of wilderness, of desert, of being pursued, uh, you know, kind of wrongly, you know, like that's kind yeah. of, most of us don't experience something like that, you know, where right. it's like, yeah, you're being something's someone's withholding something from you that you should have. Uh, but like, man, there's definitely some edification to be found there. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to be had. Um, well, this has been awesome. I mean, where do you think, uh, where would you recommend people go to learn more about this whole idea of, spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, uh, do you have books, podcasts, resources, like where, where should people go to kind of really lean into this idea? For sure. So I put together a list of books that have influenced my thinking and have changed me personally as a result of reading them. The list is emotionally healthy spirituality by Mm -hmm. Peter Scazzaro that again, whole, it has that idea of your, Emotional health is linked to your spiritual health and your maturity in those areas. If you take the picture of a tree, it could be great on the inside or great on the outside, sorry, blooming and vibrant, but the root system is so shallow. Any challenge is going to uproot that. Hmm. So how do we really take a look at our life and ask ourselves, do we have the support system, whether that's people, emotions, our rule of life, like we talked about to sustain our doing for God. The next one is the listening life by Adam McHugh. And this is an entire book about listening, (laughs) which I like to think I'm a pretty good listener, but I read this book and then I think, (laughs) Oh no, I'm certainly not a good listener, (laughs) but he talks about listening to yourself, listening to God, listening to the Holy spirit, to creation, to the Bible, really taking a posture of listening because ultimately God was a listening God hmm. in the old Testament and the new Testament. People were reaching out to God. He's relational. You can't have a relationship without listening. Yeah. And because we have a God who listens to us, how do we respond to that? But also how do we respond to the voices inside of our head that say, you're not good enough. You have to do in order to be valued. How do we listen to those name those process through that? The next one is Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. This one is so cool because it takes the life of Moses, all of his early Moses life, all the way to not making it in the promised land when he dies. And it shows his consolations, his desolations, the highs, the lows, where God was showing him things about himself and then what that means for us. That one's top three favorite book and really recommend that one. Ruth Haley Barton also has a, I think it's a leadership 
or Spiritual Formation Institute as well that also has a bunch of good resources. And then there's one chapter in Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning that really uh, spoke to me in a lot of just the whole idea of spiritual formation. Uh, He opens up a chapter from a rabbi who was on his deathbed, and he says, God, I don't want to know why you do things. I don't even need to know how you do things. Just show me the wonder of it all. And that hit me personally, because if I have questions about God and I don't know what's going on, instead of seeking those answers of, well, God, why, why'd you do this? Let me justify my case to you. God, show me the wonder of what you're doing. Yeah, wow. Show me that. That was fascinating. That really changed a lot of my perspective. And then Dr. John Coe at Talbot Theology Seminary was really impactful as well. It's where I got a lot of my early shaping of just this topic and awareness of it because it really is just an iceberg. You can touch the tip of it and there's so much more below the surface. Yeah. And what, just like his videos or his lectures or books? So, yeah, so I was in those seminary courses and that's what, as far as lectures go, where I got my content. Um, I don't know if he has anything public. That might be a good thing to search for. But Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, The Listening Life, and Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership are my top three books. Nice. Awesome. Well, Drake, I want to thank you for expounding your wisdom upon us and spending the time and, and effort to be able to, to go through it. I think it's a really cool conversation. And, I mean, it's been really edifying for me. So I'm, st- I'm stoked to... The real, I mean, again, like we shouldn't have such a cookie-cutter view and practice of these kind of spiritual disciplines and especially our intention with spiritual formation. So thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Jeremy missed it, but I'm excited he's having fun out wherever he is. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll listen back to you. Um, thank you guys for listening once again as well. Uh, do me a favor. If you liked this episode, if you liked what Drake had to say, um, go ahead and share it on social media or with someone and just leave a short, small comment about something that stood out to you, something you learned, something that you agree with, disagree with even. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can tag us. Uh, we're all on social media. Or you can just tag even uh, at Cultivate Keep, uh, and then that'll get to us on our, on our radar. And don't forget about our, about our projects coming up. We've got cultivatingkey.com slash merch slash journal uh, slash community for a few things we're working on. Merch will be coming up here very quickly, um, so be sure to check that link in this episode. And we might just have an update for you. We'll see. And otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.